When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? This is the Tailgaters Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. With me, as always, is Sergio de Lesperea, and we are on the Believe Podcast Network. Sergio, how you doing? You can call me Gunna from now on. Gunna? We might not. I mean, the name's free, but the person itself will not be. Oh! Listen, <laughs> listen just just finding out this week that Gunna's government name is Sergio Kitchens just was just a great, great way um, to kick off my week. Now, the news itself wasn't great, but not just great. finding out that Gunna's real government name is, is Sergio, I, I, you know what? I always saw something in him. I'm glad he's a member of the Sergio Collective, you know? I honestly never thought about what his real name was, but it just ca- came by surprise. I texted Sergio and I was like, well, that's disappointing. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about racketeering. We're here. Well, maybe we're here to talk about college football, <laughs> NIL, the NFL draft, everything that's been happening over the past couple of weeks. So we're going to dive in, um, starting with probably the most important topic or most talked about topic of these past few weeks is NIL and the tampering that's happening or allegedly happening, quote unquote, allegedly. Um, to give you a few examples, Jordan Addison, the former Blitnikoff winner out of Pitt, uh, there was rumors that he was intending to transfer to USC and his name wasn't even in the transfer portal. Um, Nick Saban actually caught a, a transferring accu- or a tampering accusation today with the receiver from Louisville that he got, uh, Tyler Harrell, um, who has also allegedly committed or being recruited by Alabama before he was in the portal. And so even Texas's Xavier Worthy was offered a six-figure sum to transfer. So Sergio, what do you make of all this chaos that is happening? And obviously we know that the NCAA has kind of put some barriers in place that they plan on enforcing going forward. I don't think they're they're not going to do anything that's already happened because it's too little too late. But what do you think? I think that this is a direct result of the ineptitude of the NCAA because for years, Borba, for years there has been, um, how do I put it? For years there's been noise of wanting like a unified uh nil like code like we knew this was coming we knew that this was a possibility so i don't understand why the ncaa just didn't get ahead of it and create their own like standards but alas here we are in this situation i also think and i apologize if if i sound like really stuffy um i got sick over the weekend not covid so we're good but 
I do have that like leftover like sinus stuff going on. So if, if I sound different, that's why. Anyway, um, I think that this is just the stuff that's always happened in college football is now just being is now just happening publicly because we have um, NIL deals and money involved, like legal ways to get money, because let's be real, there's always been money in college football um, in terms of the players. But now it's a legal way or at the very at the very most at the most, it's it's like a loophole, you know, I guess we can we can call it. Um, But yeah, this has always happened, you know, like tampering has always happened. Um, Giving players money has always happened. So now it's just the ineptitude of the NCAA. And really, they're out here crying wolf over something that they created. You know, they created this problem by not establishing a uniform set of NIL regulations that could have gone into effect when those states, um, you know, July 1st, June 1st of last year, whenever it was, when those states ratified that and it was kind of open season now, you know, um, I think that this is going to be very difficult to um, we're putting the toothpaste back in the in the jar and it's going to be very difficult to have to do. Um, but I think there are there are ways to do it. It's just a matter of will the NCAA be uniform enough and organized enough. <laughs> I know I'm joking as I, I'm laughing as I say that. Um, are they going to be disciplined enough to create something for everyone? Um, and I know that they put out that statement with some stuff that they're going to do or and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, this needs a complete overhaul. This there needs to be some there needs to be some way where this can function relatively organized. And because right now it's just very disorganized, and I feel like once we organize it, then we're going to be able to be get more comfortable with it you know that's kind of where i where i sit see okay so i'll i'll just briefly read what the new rules quote-unquote rules are supposed to do um ross dellinger of sports illustrated he's the one that he broke the news um he basically said that the purpose of the new guidelines is to clarify existing bylaws and prohibit boosters from being involved in recruiting which honestly this reminded me of christmas as a little kid you go all the way until age nine or ten, believing that Santa's real. You don't know what's get, like. You don't know how the presents get there. You think San, Santa's the one bringing the presents. Same thing with college football. The money's there. You don't know how it's getting there. But this whole time, we knew that boosters were gonna give these kids money as soon as NIL was legalized. Like there was no doubt in my mind that, or anyone's mind. I mean, really- let's, let's be real. That was the point, right? The point was to have a legal way for boosters to, if you own. Whether you own the gas station down the street from campus or whether you own a Fortune 500 company, you're just giving money to the players rather than under the table in cash in a suitcase at a Walmart parking lot. You're just doing it now on paper. You know, that's pretty much what it is. But the issue with the NCAA is like they just found out Santa Claus isn't real. Like it seems like they didn't think. No, 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 no. They stopped pretending that they cared about Santa Claus. That's where we're going at here. They knew the whole time. They just kind of had an out of sight, out of mind mentality. And now mm. that it's gotten too big for it to not be out of sight, out of mind, they've been like, well, I guess Santa Claus isn't real. Oh, no. That's the situation yeah. that's going on. Yeah, here. perfect. But it just you had to think that this was going to happen. Um, as soon as NIL was legalized, people were getting deals with every company imaginable. Uh, Texas running back Bijan Robinson, for example, got a Lamborghini deal like, you know, that Nick Saban, there's always been the speculation, the rumor that his Cadillac dealership maybe offers some extra 
uh, motivation to go to Alabama, and that was prior to and hey, hey, that Cadillac, that Cadillac dealership is in Birmingham. Okay, it's not in Tuscaloosa. Come on now, right? Right. The commute from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa is a brutal one. I know, <laughs> um, but yeah. So, um, I think what we're seeing is the rich are getting richer, and we're all just trying to stop it, which is just like everyday life. <laughs> we're all just trying to figure out a way for it to be equal and pit. Not- Pitt coach Pat Narduzzi is very upset. Um, he's actually fired shots at his former receiver, Jordan Addison, saying that Keaton Slovis, who is his new quarterback, actually used the transfer portal the right way, which is there's a new coach. His spot basically got taken rather than, hey, I'm going to test free agency, get my value up, and then I'll return to my school if they offer me more money or I'll go whoever is the, the highest bidder. And I think it's kind of hurting college football in a way. Um, I think it's great that the players are getting their money. But I feel like the way that it's happening is very not great for the game. But it's not the player's fault. I, I understand. They're, they're I, I understand that mentality from – They're taking advantage of the rules that aren't in place. And I would do the same thing. But now that there's going to be hopefully rules in place, I feel like there's going to be less wild, wild west like vibes to college football. I'm, ju- I'm just so tired of the fake outrage amongst people – with perceived power in college football about this stuff. Like, let's let's break down why Pat Narduzzi's mad, right? Pat Narduzzi says that Keaton Slovis did it the right way. Well, what is Keaton Slovis? He happens to be a quarterback, and he happens to be a player that's transferring into Pitt, right? Yeah, true. Whereas, um, what's his name? Who won the Balinkalov? Um, Jordan Addison. Addison. Where, whereas Addison is a player that is going away from Pittsburgh. So, of course, Pat Narduzzi is going to be like, well, he did it the right way. Well, I mean, let's be real. How do how are we to know that? You mean to tell me that Pitt didn't contact Keaton Slovis before w- w- he put his name into the transfer portal to put out feelers? Like, to me, that's just irresponsible if you don't, you know? And, and versus on the player's perspective, like, Addison has every single right in the world to do those kind of like, hey, put out some feelers to see where I could go. Why are you going to risk when we're talking now we're talking about you know more money than most americans make in a single year in terms of the amount of money that these guys can get this is this is a lot of money for anyone and why are you going to risk it like that is a bad business um that, that's a bad way to run your business and in this case the business is the player that's just a bad way to run it so i i don't understand i don't get this fake outreach especially especially coming from a profession where coaches are notorious for saying, oh, I'm going to stay here for the next two, three years. Yeah, no, there's no there's no credence to that rumor about this and that whatever me talking to so-and-so organization. And then two weeks later, they turn around and they do the thing. Nick Saban, six days, and as a South Florida resident, I am very familiar with this timeline. Nick Saban, six days before he took the Alabama John job, said, I will not be the head football coach at Alabama when he was asked in a Dolphins press conference. And he was mad that people asked it. And then not even a week later, he's in Tuscaloosa saying, I'm so happy to be here with my family. All right. It wasn't like that because he's not Brian Kelly. But like, like where the coaches are doing the same thing. This is this hypocritical um, nature of college football that athletic directors, coaches, basically anyone involved in the sport that's not a player. Um, has the ability to move freely and to go around and do the things in their best interest. Interest, But when a player does it, it's automatically seen as the worst thing in the world. Which brings me to my point of let's stop pretending that college football is amateurism because it's not. They're, they're A, they're getting paid. B, they're, they're simply getting paid without the benefits of being an employee. And this is where we don't have to get into this today, but 
Um, we can get into this in a future episode this offseason and such. This is where the idea of college football players forming a union and the Addison case, the Supreme Court case, is so vital and important to the future of college football. The Addison case not only said that players could make money from their NIL money, um, could make money from NIL, but it also said that players probably have the right to unionize. We have now um, we have now um, attorney generals of the United States saying that, yeah, they're very pro-union at this point. So you keep up with politics. That's something that is more of a democratic um, philosophy and, and, and thinking. And so depending on how the midterms and such go this November and the upcoming presidential election, uh, presidential election in 2024, we may see a swing into can players unionize. And if players start to unionize, then players can negotiate for health benefits. Players can negotiate for a basic salary. Players can negotiate for revenue sharing and basically turn it into um, a lower tier professional football league, um, which is what it is right now. So that, that that's, but that's going further and deeper into the future. I'm just tired of the outrage over it all. And um, I, even though at the same exact time, because humans are complex, the duality of man, the name of my future book, um, humans are very complex. And so I, I also think that at the same time that I believe all of what I just said, I also believe that there needs to be some kind of infrastructure to regulate NIL because it's going to leave the, um, lower, the smaller teams behind. And I don't mean the like Vanderbilts of the sec. I'm talking the North Texas's of the conference USA. I'm talking the Southern Miss of the future American. I'm talking the two lanes. I'm talking even on a smaller level, Arkansas state, like super small school or relatively small schools to the big boys that aren't going to be able to compete. And you're going to get that, like you said, rich, get richer difference in competition at one level. And then you're going to get a significant drop in competition level. And we won't get as many UCF 2017 stories, Cincinnati 2021 stories, um, stuff like that. So I think for the health of college football, there does need to be some kind of uniform regularity, but I'm also of the opinion that you guys need to stop complaining and being hypocrites because everyone but the but the players are taking advantage of the situation and have for the history of college football. Right, exactly. And honestly, with the way college football is going, if they don't change anything, if I'm a group of five school, part of my recruiting pitch might just be, yeah, we put 10 kids at, at a power five school last year. Like we had 10 kids transfer out. Um, I don't think that's how college football should be, but that's the direction it's going. Um, so that could be a part of a recruiting pitch. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, do, we, do you have any, any, like, I want to, I want to explore this topic in this episode a bit. And do you have any ideas as to what you think? Like if, if I appointed you um, the head mm -hmm. of college football, um, tomorrow and you were given free reign to just stamp different policies for the health of the game, what would you do um, in terms of the in terms of NIL and the transfer portal? Because it does seem like those two issues, while they may have started off separately, have kind of yeah. morphed into one because of the use of the transfer portal to maximize the amount of NIL money you can get. What would you do, Borba, to fix it? Yeah, okay. Um, see, the transfer portal, when it was created in its full glory – was not created, at least I don't think, with the mindset that in a few months' time, they're going to be able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. So the transfer portal by itself was a great idea, great implement, great rule implementation for college sports in general, because basketball, it's even more crazy than college football. Um, I would say, for one, looking at the transfer portal, I think, and this is, this is probably an unpopular opinion, I think you have to kind of limit transfers in a way 
So if you're trying to transfer from a group of five to a power five, immediately eligible. If you're a player like Kayla Williams, who's transferring from a power five to a power five, maybe file a waiver, get the waiver approved as to why. So his waiver could be my coach left. So that'd be obviously Jordan Addison. I would have a harder time giving him the the green light. Now, obviously it's hard to tell people where to go to spend with their lives, which is the major flaw with this plan. Um, but I think you kind of have to limit the transfers or you can only transfer after you secure a degree or after a couple years. Um, I think a lot of the reasons players are transferring is because one year they explode. Uh, this is the players that are benefiting off of NIL right now. They explode my, say my freshman year. I transfer my sophomore year to a bigger school. Say I explode my freshman year and then I have to stay at that school until I either graduate or uh, two years minimum. And so that way it gives the school itself more time to, hey, boosters, we have this kid. Rack up some money for this kid. So I feel like it, because I'm not, I'm not dumb. I know NIL is going to happen. So at least with limiting when they could transfer, it'll allow the schools to make, make themselves or give themselves a more even playing field. Um, that's one idea. Thoughts? Uh, I like I like it in theory, but I, I think if you do that, you would be eliminating the one-time transfer rule or you would be yes. making addendums. And you're kind of going backwards a little bit, in my opinion, in terms of allowing part. players to take – right. Yeah, it is the hard part because – There's no perfect solution. Every solution is going to have five po- five positives but then ten negatives to it is yeah. the issue. Well, exactly, and that's what you're dealing with. You're, you're trying to maintain some – <laughs> some illusion or semblance. I, I would rather say illusion, an illusion of amateurism, even though we're dealing with semi-professionalism. Right. My idea, I think um, that I would propose would be, I think that we can still have one-time transfers. I don't think there needs to be a limit or anything like that, but hmm. I think that we can have one, maybe two windows a year, copy it from soccer, global soccer in terms of transfers, of when you can leave a team and maybe have like a one or two month period where, all right, cool. You can, you can, you can enter the transfer portal whenever you want, but you cannot sign with a team until this window. Right. So what that does to me is it encourages players to a stick out through the season, right? Because if you leave, you can leave the team, but it's not like you can go to another team. Right. Number one, Number two, it gives a bit more organization in terms of and allows for teams to plan for the players that they have. Um, it, it's kind of like a free agency window, right? That it's basically what I would kind of implement. Um, I think that there can be exceptions to incentivize, uh, you know, education. I think if you're a grad transfer, you're you're immu- exempted from that, right? right. Um, obviously, there's only a one-time transfer that goes into it. Um, and I also think that if you are going to do this and if it does have a tie with NIL, right, um, then I think that you would – oh, sorry. Siri wants to know my proposal, so my fault. <laughs> um, if, you, if you do have a tie-in with NIL, then I think that you should have to um, forfeit a percentage of your NIL makings. Um, and then I stole that idea from my stepdad. We were talking about this yesterday. With my, I was talking about this with my stepdad yesterday. Um, and he kind of suggested that his idea is that you, that money that you take, you put, give it back to the program that you are leaving. So for example, if you're going from a G5 to a P5 and you're going to be mm-hmm. making more money at that level, then you give that money back to that G5. Um, if you go from a P5 to a G5, maybe it doesn't, um, it doesn't apply or something. I would simply put that money into a separate fund 
um, that could be used collectively for players. And then what that can do is I'm thinking long-term in the future when, because I do feel like this is going to happen. It's a matter of when it could be five, 10, 15, 20 years. Whenever there is a union um, of college football players, that money can then go to, can be put in like a fund and that fund can be used in the future for player health and safety stuff. So for example, if, you know, if someone has to retire early um, because they got concussions or something, um, you know, physical health, alien, aliens, uh, career ending injuries, stuff like that, they can help those players that weren't able to make NFL levels of money. Um, mm. But it can take care of some of the players at the collegiate level um, that can, you know, do the problem there. And this is, in my opinion, on top of still keeping a, a scholarship limit, still keeping scholarships, fully guaranteeing those um, cost of attendance, stuff like that. This is all on top of that situation. And to me, in my opinion, it's just a drop in a, pers- a drop in the bucket compared to the amount of money that college football makes and the NCAA makes um, off of college football and and the market share and the market value of what of what the sport truly is. So that's kind of my suggestion because you know it gives it gives you team building wise. I think it's fair both ways. I think players still have the ability to go and choose where they want and and such. There's just a window to do it, which gives teams um, and the more team side of the situation. It gives them more of a um, uh, consistency in terms of roster building, team building, and, and planning right. for the future and success. So that's my proposal. I like the transfer window idea. Um, I think I think part of the issue is this is all happening so fast, so suddenly, and it's all happening over a certain period. Um, they do have like deadlines and stuff because class restrictions, but I do I do appreciate that. Um, the the second part of transferring up or down that one i'm a little iffy on because i never want to take money out of a person's pocket who who earned that like and especially in the college athlete instance mm-hmm. um i think rather than focusing on the players we need to focus on the people giving them the money and the ncaa so i have another solution i'm, I'm there where I'm my there solution that, yeah. is very dependent on the ncaa taking their head out of their ass um i think every nil deal needs to be approved um it needs to be submitted looked over um even if it's like a base amount of like we're going to give this guy five hundred thousand dollars with incentives um to come or to play for the school while he's at the school it can't be like we're giving him this to come here it's like he's here this is what he will get if he gets so many touchdowns um but the thing that i think people are going to try to cheat the system with is we're going to give this guy ten thousand dollars and then it's like you come here, we give you a million. Like, I think that's going to be an issue. Kind of, kind of how they avoid the salary cap in the NFL, where it's yeah, like it's, the contract yeah. is worth is three years, a hundred million dollars, but actually ninety million of that is in the bonus, and it's only ten million over three years on paper. Right. But right. the the thing I think this is a good, or the reason I think it's a good idea is if I want you to come to California State Stanislaus, where I went, and say we actually had money, and say it was a school people wanted to go to for sports. <laughs> um do you have a football team we don't i neither the schools i went to had a football team actually um okay all right they actually sell shirts that say we've never lost a football team football game undefeated there is a there's a school of the arts here in south florida called dreyfus up in palm beach and um uh on they they make t-shirts that it's like uh, they don't have a football team either it's a it's an art school um and they have t-shirts that say um dreyfus football um still undefeated yeah, that's, that's the, the shirt idea. So. We probably have the same guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so say you're you're coming to Stanislaus State, 
they if a booster wants to pay, give you an nil deal they have to run it through the ncaa the ncaa then gets to approve the deal they get to pick and prod at the deal so that way there's no under the table deals because if you find that there is under the table deal i think this is where the punishments come in for tampering okay. and you so need, you need you need like a set process to, mm-hmm. to be able to on paper say hey this was the process you deviated from it therefore we're going to come at your neck exactly and so and you can't pun- do that if there's not like something on paper right right and rather and the punishment would be maybe you can't take in as many transfers next year you lose a transfer or a scholarship um you get fined the player maybe gets fined the mo- the amount of money that was on the paper because mm-hmm. if the player because this puts responsibility on the players i think I think a lot of times we think of the players as like the innocent people in this and 99.9% of the time they are. But when they know that the deal is being made for $100,000, but they take $500,000 that wasn't a part of the incentives portion of their deal, mm-hmm. a punishment has to come because well, that's... Yeah, listen, I, I think I think what we talk about, like, you know, the players should be making money and stuff. Great. Wonderful. I completely agree. But with that comes a responsibility um, and if you do mess up, then you are then eligible to be fined. Now, it's one thing to take $100,000 from a booster in cash. And, you know, when you get caught, it's like, cool, well, you're ineligible. It's like, all right, cool. I'm going to sit out, work out and just go to the league next year. What's the issue? There's nothing. There really is no problem, you know. And if I wanted to go, I'll lose my scholarship. Okay. If I want to go back to school, I'll be making millions in the league and I'll be able to afford it. No big deal. But when you start giving out money and you start doing the NIL stuff, then yeah, I think it's appropriate to, Hey, listen, this was the situation you messed up. You, you made this, you disobeyed and, and did the wrong thing. So, so, and so, yeah, I think it's perfectly normal and acceptable to be able to find that player. You, you can't, you can't have your cake. You need it too. You got to follow, you know, it, it, the bad comes with the good in terms of situational and, and in power like that. So exactly. I agree with you. And then that booster who gave the money, that was not a part of the deal. Um, maybe they're not allowed to have NIL deals for a couple years. So it, it punishes everybody involved because say if Cadillac's your biggest NIL provider and they gave someone a deal that wasn't a part of the submitted paperwork. Well, guess what Cadillac three years from now, three, three years, you can't make a deal. So whatever school that is just lost their biggest NIL booster. And so it puts a lot more responsibility on everybody involved to be like, okay, we have to do this by the book. Because if it's right. not done by the book, then we might as well just say, let's see what happens. Because that's basically what we're doing now. Kind of kind of like how kind of like how agents need to be like approved by whatever league or union situation. Mm-hmm. And if they mess up, they're stripped of their credentials. Maybe there maybe there's also like a a on top of submitting the individual deals of NIL, you have to like get NIL certified. And maybe there's different mm-hmm. levels, right? Maybe the yeah. Cadillac and the like the Lamborghini that gave B. John Robinson his deal, maybe they're like the top excuse me, maybe they're the top tier of NIL like approval, but you can go down the, down the line and maybe the lowest tier is just simply a local bit, a local pizza shop in, in a college town that just wants to bring in this star wide receiver, star defensive end um, mm-hmm. once a week to kind of just do like a, a signing and they pay them maybe, you know, five grand each time, which in the scale of all this stuff isn't as much as some, what some players are getting or like a barbecue place sponsoring the whole old line for you know if they if they prevent if they prevent sacks for an entire um for an entire game you know no sacks for a game then they they eat free um and also get like a two thousand dollar 
$5,000 stipend that they split or something like that. You can have a smaller level and maybe the maybe the punishments are at different levels, right? If Lamborghini, I'm not saying Lamborghini is, is all alleged and exampled, but if Lamborghini ends up being at fault, you're right. Maybe they are suspended two, three years from being able to give out NIL deals and such and such um, versus if maybe the mom and pop barbecue shop messes up, maybe it's, okay, here's a $10,000 fine and those player, you know, you're not allowed for maybe the rest of the season or something like that. Smaller and based on different um, situations. I actually really like that idea, Borba. That's that's a really, really good idea. I think we combined that one with the window and I think we just solved it. So NCAA. I think we did. I mean, now the, the only issue Borba is the NCAA now. So we came up with a great idea. The people that we're entrusting to enforce it, maybe not the best people to enforce these things that we want to apply to execute. So shout out to our (laughs) idea. It was nice knowing you. It was Uh, nice knowing you. It was good though. I I like that discussion. I like that. uh, There's There's also the idea, which I've very much grown against, um, as discussions have gone on is putting a cap on how much a player can earn and NIL deals. Um, at first I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It's more fair. But then you think of an athlete like Jimmer Fredette from BYU, who absolute star in college professional career didn't really pan out how he would have imagined for some of these athletes, this is the time that they're their most valuable. And so you don't want to take that away from them because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're creating generational wealth and you don't want to take away a chance for them to have more money moving forward in their life. So not only that, yeah, but you got to be consistent. If you're going to say this is a capitalist country with a free market society and this and that, whatever, great. Then you got to let these kids make as much money as they possibly can. If not, then that's fine, but let's just be open with it. I personally am of the um, belief that there should be a market cap. I would set it at like a million dollars. I think I think if you're a collegiate player and you, let's say you never ever, um, some, God forbid something happens to you and you're not able to go to the league and you're not able to be a professional football player. Great. Well, you made up to a million dollars in college from football. I think that's enough money to be able to still set yourself up, maybe start a business, whatever it is that you want to do with your life. That is a good cushion and a good making. I made enough from my name value to be able to support myself because with a million dollars, you could set yourself up, right? You could do things in order to help yourself rather than zero from getting hurt and how it is now. But if you're gonna, I'm. That's my. That's what I want. I would want a cap. Mm, but I. Mean, I okay. But I would, here's I would, the thing. Let's not be hypocrites make, here. Yeah, yeah. I want. That's make fine. Sense. But let's not be hypocrites here. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just keep it consistent. Like keep it a buck. Keep it real with me. Don't. I personally am of the belief. I think there should be caps. I think there should be regulation. I understand. I'm a lot more liberal than most people in the college football world, and that's fine. I'm okay with not having a market cap on what a player can make. But let's. Let's keep it consistent. Let's, you know what I mean? I just want it to be right. played fair. You know, you can't Every, this set is a limit on something and on something on, on another. Can't set a, uh, a limit on a coach and not on a player or vice versa. You know what I mean? That, that's where going back to my, my second idea comes into play because if everything is by the book, by the, the approval of said NCAA, which is hopefully listening and taking notes on our episode, like, they there should be yeah. no issues there should no, be no issues the only issues now is for these young men and the irs because let's make sure we pay our taxes boys the irs is about to have a field day yeah just, yeah is, i need i need gonna, tax prime jordan years for the irs right now this is prime jordan year <laughs> <laughs> the irs is licking its lips at the amount of 18 19 year olds making 
three quarters of a million dollars and not having not having any idea how taxes work. Exactly. So pay pay someone who knows what how money works because you will. You know what? Let's let's add one more thing onto this. We we had the windows. We had the NCAA committee on on um, approving NIL deals. We had the tiers of NILs, the punishment, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Let's throw one more thing in. Every school, if you are if a player of yours is is generating NIL money, whether it's ten dollars at the gas station or whether it's a hundred thousand dollars at the car dealership. Every school is required to give the, all of their student athletes um, a tax, tax training and tax specialists and someone there so that they don't mess up their lives. Because That's, I didn't know how to do taxes at 18, 19, Barbara. Did you? Nope. <laughs> I had my mom do it. <laughs> exactly, literally. Exactly. Exactly. So I like that. Let's make sure we throw that into our proposal to the NCAA. Yeah, IRS. You're not going to prime Jordan year out of us. Um, Absolutely not. So moving on, um, the biggest event in college football besides the playoff is the saddest part also of college football is when we see our favorite players take that next step and move on to the next level of the NFL. Um, The NFL draft happened a week or so ago, and there was a lot of headlines coming out of it. We're going to talk who we think had the best class. Um, I'm going to pull a switcheroo on you and just talk about what was the biggest headline of the NFL draft and it was basically Malik Willis sliding all the way to the third round to the Titans and what's even a bigger headline is his now teammate and not mentor not mentor Ryan Tannehill commenting or answering a question if he will do what he can to help Malik grow in the league or whatever you know the the typical question of are you going to be the mentor Mm -hmm. to this guy Um, I'm going to start off by saying I think this is a double-edged sword question because one, you say, no, you're not going to mentor him. You look like a douche, as Ryan Tannehill did. Two, you do say you're going to mentor him, and then everybody's calling for your job saying that you're you're not dedicated, you're soft, you're like whatever. Um, it's a lose-lose I, situation. It really is. Um, I, I think I would just rather be called soft than look like a douche, though. And Ryan Tannehill went with the Honestly, opposite. Like, he went with the opposite let's, approach. Let's be real. But like, let's be real here. What is he supposed to say, right? They asked him, will you mentor Malik Willis? And he said, I mean, that's not my job. My job is to be the quarterback of the Titans. Um, if he learns something, great. Um, that's that's really good for him, and I'm happy for him. But we're competing for a job. Like, what do you want me to do? You want me to train the person that's going to replace me? Like, let's let's think about things here. Number one, number two. I I know that the question needs to be asked because you wouldn't be doing your journalistic integrity if you didn't ask this question in the situation. Oh, oh, but can we stop asking incumbent quarterbacks? Anytime a team drafts a quarterback, whether it's one overall or an undrafted free agent, can we stop with the, are you going to be a leader and mentor to them? That is not their job. They are there to compete. Mm-hmm. I understand that we have this we have this idea that we want everyone to kind of work together, that we want um, us as fans, we want our older quarterback to see the writing on the wall and mentor the younger ones so there's long-term success for the franchise, yada, yada, yada. We're fans. We don't think of the actual people. We think of the logo because the logo makes us feel a certain way. There's no way that Ryan Tannehill, there's no, Ryan Tannehill doesn't want to lose his job. So why would he do everything in his power to help the person replace him in his job? You know, and again, to your point, he he just looks so rude when he says it, but I understand it. You know, as someone who rooted for Ryan Tannehill for years down here in Miami, yeah, like I, I get it. All right. I understand. Um, I, I'm just so sick of that. Like it's a tough quarterback that, gets drafted, incumbent quarterback's gonna get that question asked. That's a top five question 
of being horrible questions um, up there with how does it feel after a team just like lost a championship? Like, how do you feel? Like, oh, like when or Matt, or the asking Matt Ryan how he felt after twenty eight three. Like, oh, I feel great. Like, I lo- I loved how we looked today. What is he or, supposed to say? Or the layup. The, the the layup question is what I call it, where you ask someone you you don't even ask a question, you just kind of bring up a situation. Um, it, it's the talk about you know talk to me about whatever. It's like hey um hey Glenn I'm sorry Doc River hey Doc um you know Embiid you know really wasn't looking too good out there. It didn't seem like he was healthy. Silence. Okay, what was the question? Like you just kind of yeah. describe the situation. Like can we or, or last night when when they asked PJ Tucker. Um, hey, PJ, you said that there you, you, um, you, Bam, and Jimmy had a meeting about what you were going to do to kind of, you know, help fix some of the defensive lapses from, from game four. What did you guys do? And PJ's like, you really want me to answer the, you want me to answer this question on national television so that the Sixers in, before game six have the things that we did that in order for them to prepare for it? You're like, what? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta make your own notes. Come on. You gotta be, you gotta be like, <laughs> why did you do this? But yeah, yeah. that's a, a top five horrible question. Um, I, I will say that Barry Sachs would be so disappointed. Yeah, uh, I will say a lot of the a lot of the backlash from Ryan Tannehill was from skill position players or like defensive backs, and it's like, yeah, it's all cool and fine to say you guys mentored your replacement. There's four posi- like defensive backs. There's four of you on the field. There's two corners, right. two safeties. There's one quarterback. There's only one chance for him to get on the field. And typically, as a quarterback, when you lose your job especially in Ryan Tannehill's position, this would be his second technically failed stint. I'm going to call it a failed stint if he loses his job because I don't think, I don't think Tennessee was a failed stint. I think they went to an AFC championship game. I think Ryan Tannehill is an above average quarterback. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl. Um, I don't think that was a failed stint. And then in Miami, it was a failed stint, but it wasn't his fault because he was always on his butt. I think if the Dolphins invested in the, now I'm going on a Dolphins rank. Go ahead. continue. He's not a bust, but per se, it didn't work out how he would have liked. You don't get many opportunities to be a starting franchise quarterback in the NFL, and this could be his last chance. Is all I'm trying to get. All I'm trying I to agree. say. So Completely I personally agree. would not want to lose that opportunity. But enough with the negative talk. Let's talk positively. Um, Sergio, give me a team who you love their draft class. Um, break it down real quick, and then we'll. I'll give you mine. So unfortunately, you said let's go positive, but this is a negative in my eyes, um, oh. and it's because I'm a Dolphins fan, and the Jets uh, had okay. an. Inc- Excuse me. Had an incredible draft. First of all, first of all, shout out to Tex to, to Houston for just missing the layup of the century. Um, the, the they wanted to take a corner, right? So yeah. they take uh, Derek Stingley, which is a, who's a great player, by the way. I think he's going to do really well in this league in the yeah. NFL. But Sauce Gardner Gardner was sitting right there, and he played the same position. And the Jets immediately were like, oh, cool. They took a different corner. Great. We're going to take Sauce Gardner. So they get Sauce Gardner um, at pick four. Then you go on to later on in the in the top 10. They get Chris Olave, who's a fantastic wide receiver. Um, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. I'm so sorry. I think Chris Olave. They get Garrett Wilson, who's a fantastic wide receiver as well. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't a consensus number one wide receiver, but this is just a very deep wide receiver class. Any of the top two or three you're happy with. And then they go, they they trade back into the end of the first round in the mid twenties, and they get Jermaine Johnson at a Florida State, the defensive end, who's really really good, and he was a projected top 10, 12 pick. They end up getting three guys that were top ten talents in the first round. Incredible draft to pair along with what they did last year in the first round, which was another great great draft that they had. 
I think if Zach Wilson starts to develop, he has a weapon. He has a surefire lockdown CB1 on the other end, um, potentially all pro player, in my opinion, um, to be able to support defensively. You have a great edge rusher in a deep edge in a deep edge class that can get after the quarterback. I, I think it's a was a fantastic draft by the Jets. Um, unfortunately, they are in my division. Um, but it was very obvious why they took Sauce Gardner with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle in Miami. Um, with Stefan Diggs in, in Buffalo and, um, you know, the, and the Patriots, you know, I mean, you know, they, they play football too. So they, they play football they too. Play football. So. Um, right, right. yeah, so I think that, that's but, my, uh, my opinion. I think both the New York teams had a great draft. Um, uh, I think which plot twist having three first round picks is a good thing. <laughs> I think it's just, and they also got Brees Hall in the later rounds as a running back who could be that one two punch with Michael Carter. Um, I'm gonna stay on that side of the map, and I'm I liked the Ravens draft. Um, they literally Great got draft. three first round talents. I think um, in Kyle Hamilton who fell to 14, uh, Tyler Lindenbaum the center from Iowa, and then David Ojabo who got her at Michigan's pro day, who was graded as a top 20 pick prior to the injury. They basically got three first round picks and only had two first round picks mm-hmm. uh, when they made the selection. So great draft for them. Um, I think I overall there was, I want to say there wasn't that many teams where I was like, wow, that draft was like absolutely horrible. Um, I think talking about your division, the, the, the Patriots had some questionable picks. Um, they, reached on an offensive lineman who, as you saw from Sean McVay and the Rams GM, they were grading him as a third round pick and they took him in the first. Um, they took Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky, who I love as a college prospect, but excuse me, excuse, excuse me, Borba. That is NCAA single season pass yard and touchdown record holder. Bailey Zappi. Thank you very much. That's true. My apologies to Bailey Zappi and his, apparently his biggest fan, Sergio. Um, Actually, his biggest fan is is Tyler, my friend and co-host on Sideline Judgment, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, another college football podcast. That's great. Um, He loves Bailey Zappi because Bailey Zappi won him our college fantasy football league this year. That's right. Yep. We all got zapped. Um, But it's like they have Mac Jones. Tomato, tomatoes. (laughs) Uh, But like, I don't know. I just feel like all their picks were just like random, like drawn out of a hat. It felt like, I don't know, just, yeah. it was weird. It was like, are, is this Bill Belichick drafting or is this Nike, his dog drafting? Like, what are we, what are we doing out here? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, some solid classes. I think the NFL is going to, we're, we're in the process of seeing like the new era of NFL cycle in. Um, we Like Tom Brady's still there somehow, but like we're losing, like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, they can't play forever. Um, we lost Big Ben. Well, I said that about Brady about seven, eight years ago. And here we are. He's still haunting me in my dreams and in my reality. So. And he's going to be haunting you on national television in five years when he's. Hosting. Oh no no no! I I'm going to pull I'm going to pull um, you you are going to see the most conservative, um, flip of all time. I'm going to start complaining about the national anthem. I'm going to start boycotting. I'm going to start saying how Kaepernick was a fraud. It's going I'm going to go full in just to avoid hearing Tom Brady speak. Um, and and uh, commentate on football games. Like I, I'm considering a massive character change. Um, I just you know the thing about Tom Brady getting that huge deal is is like how like obviously T or Tom versus Time was entertaining. 
but he was queued up with questions. You wa- you watched? I didn't want. I haven't seen a single I, one of those things. The only the, thing I've seen is the I meme or the or the gif of him kissing his kid. That's the only thing that I've seen. I didn't watch any of the ESPN stuff. None of I that mean, propaganda has been consumed by me. I haven't I haven't watched all the episodes. I've seen a couple. It, he's like an entertaining person, but as you know, documentaries are queued up for you. You know what's coming. I like sometimes well, especially when you're the one making the documentary exactly. like just, how much more like propaganda can we get <laughs> i'm just curious to see is he going to be good at announcing we've never seen him announce anything so it's like tony yeah, Romo. now yeah it, it's just something don't sit right with me i know how people some people don't like joe buck but i really do like joe buck both in baseball yeah. and football love joe, joe buck it sits it doesn't sit well with me that tom brady will be making significantly more money at doing as a broadcaster than Joe Buck, who's quite literally a professional broadcaster. Like it, it makes for someone who's never um, commentated before. It makes zero sense to me. Yeah. It's a, I just, I hope he's good for his sake because, and Fox I hope is, not. I hope he because, fails. I hope I, he falls flat on his I, face. I know you do, but what's crazy is <laughs> he's going to make more in his announcing career than he has in his NFL career. So that's, that's fun twist. Um, so have, that man, that man spent two months as a full-time dad and husband and was like, no, I got to get back on the field. And on top of that, I'm going to secure myself for the next 10 years after that. <laughs> He's like, I will not be in this house. No, not today. Uh-huh. Not yeah. ever. Okay. We have two more quick hitter topics. Um, a mock draft was released the other day. I've, I wish I wrote down who had it, um, who published it because they had your boy, Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback as the number one overall pick better than Bryce Young, better than CJ Stroud. Um, it was via Chris Trapasso. So what are your thoughts? Is Will Levis going number one next year? No. <laughs> Will <laughs> Levis is not going number one. Um, no. I wouldn't say he's my boy. I like him. I think he's a good quarter. He's a good college quarterback. He's fun he's to watch. Listen, Kentucky's Kentucky's one of those teams where I shouldn't like them because they're in my division. We're rival. We're massive rivals in basketball. Um, they broke uh, the. There we, we beat them. I think it was thirty-one years in a row, and then we lost to them in Dan Mullen's first year. So it was like a whole like, oh my god, like Kentucky. We're not supposed to like them, but I like watching Kentucky play football. I like Mark Stoops. I like how he has that like build it from the line, tough nose, physical style of football. It's kind of a blast to the like early two thousands. Um, and he's just a good coach. And and I think with Will Levis in there last year, um, I, I think Penn state was regretting, um, letting him kind of walk away when they had their ups and downs last season and the year before. And yeah, I like Will Levis. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't see him as being the number one overall pick. Um, uh, someone like Bryce young. I really like, I don't see him being the number one overall pick. Cause I think there's going to be some complaints about his size. I think he's yeah. like a little bit taller than me. I'm 5'10". I think he's like maybe 5'10 and like a quarter, 5'10 and a half, something like that. In um, cleats with he's, Or he might be <laughs> – yeah, and some cleats, right? Um, so I think there will be concern. Not that I don't think he's a good talented quarterback. I just think that that's what the NFL is going to kind of be like, well, can we take him? One of those things. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I don't see him as the number one overall pick, and I definitely don't see him um, – but I do see him as a good quarterback at the collegiate level and someone that – can will I think he'll win Kentucky two or three games this season on his own, um, and I also think that 
he's someone that I'll enjoy watching and it'll be one. I think we'll be in like November and I'll be like, you know who I like, you know what team I like watching Kentucky because Will Levis is going to throw for two or three touchdowns and about 350 yards each game, that kind of situation, you know, even though they mix a lot more running and running than they do passing. But um, that's my point. I I think he's going to be fun to watch in college. I don't think he's the number one overall pick. He could go in the first round. Quarterback's a premium position. I mean, we saw Kenny Pickett go in the first round. I didn't think that would happen last year. That's um, true. So um, we'll see. I, I think what's going to happen with Kentucky is because their their schedule is literally Miami of Ohio. They play you guys week two, Florida, at Florida, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi State. They maybe drop one game in that span, they, and then every- they can they can win all those games, including the Florida game. Well, they, they like, should. They can, they can win all those games. I don't know if they should win all those games, but they easily can win right. all those games. But it's like, I think we're going to get the typical Kentucky football treatment, which is like what we've grown accustomed to these past couple of years. Is like they start off really hot. They're undefeated. They're in the top 10. And then they get to the bulk of their schedule because their schedule is usually backloaded. And then they fizzle off a little bit. So let's let's dial back on the Will Levis hype. Um, I, I saw a Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky comparison for him, and it honestly – hit a little too close to home. Like I just felt that's, like that, that, that sounds about right. Like I, then it, I don't think, okay, but if I you, also don't think we would be this. Mm-hmm. If, if you knew Mitchell Trubisky is what he was, would you have taken him first overall? So, okay. Here's the, here's the thing. That's, that's where I was getting at. I think our opinion of Mitch Trubisky um, is very skewed because I think there's a lot more scrutiny because he was, they, because Chicago traded up to the second pick. They took him at second overall, and they took him over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Like that—that's why he has that. Like, oh my God, Mitch! But if Mitch was taken in the third round, if Mitch yeah. was taken in the second round, I think that we would be have a much different. I think we would think of him like we think of Kirk Cousins, someone who went in the second or third round, um, ended up ended up getting the starting job and parlayed that into. Um, a couple of uh, franchise tax seasons and then a big money contract. I think I think we would be seeing we would be our opinion of him would be different. I think if he was taken later on in the draft, um, right. because I think he's I think he's a decent quarterback. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's horrible, but I think he's a decent quarterback. Um, so yeah. that's kind of where I sit with um with Mitch Trubisky and stuff. So you know, Maserati Mitch got a bad rep. The bear, the, it's not the bear. It's not his fault. The bears can't scout. You it's know, the, it's the bears' <laughs> fault. Let's be real. Yeah. It's, it's Chicago's it's, fault. It's Chicago's fault, and we're seeing that now. Um, moving on to our final topic of the day. Um, are you a big racing fan? As in equestrian horse racing, not equestrian horse racing. Oh, so so listen. We're recording this the week after the Miami Grand Prix, and so the F one Miami Grand Prix. So when you said racing, I thought of the loop de loop. Um, and I guess that's just what everyone's been talking about down here. Um, equestrian, uh, equestrian. I am not the biggest horse racing guy. Uh, well, I like to gamble allegedly, but I'm just not a big guy of Mike horses. Leach. It's just not my thing. Mississippi state coached, um, godfather of the air raid, um, mm-hmm. is a very big Kentucky Derby guy. And it got him thinking after okay. a very unpopular horse who is not by any means the favorite won the race on like the yeah, last Yeah, he was he was like 800 to 1 or something crazy. Yeah. Right? Even when he won, like I watched the video, he was like seven or eight horses back. I don't know how many horses there. He was he was not towards the front and then he like like straight out of the movie Stripes. I don't know if you remember Shout Out to the Zebra. Do you remember that movie? I have no idea what you're talking about. It's about a race it's this zebra that wants to race with horses and it turns out he's really good whatever. Classic movie. Disney Disney okay. Channel original movie type vibe, but whatever. 
You're uncultured. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Leach said, the horse winning the Kentucky Derby today is a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed. The horse hadn't won all the races leading up, but it got its chance, and that's what happened. Um, great sentiment. I think he's totally missing the point of p- the college football expansion. Yeah, I think I think um, great um, great emotion, great inspiration behind it. Just execution, great idea, poor poor execution. Yeah, very bad. In, in, in his world, that analogy. That horse didn't win a single race and then ended up getting his shot. That would be the equivalent of like a one win in Mississippi State. (laughs) The equivalent of Mississippi State, who went like seven and five and just was like, you know what, though? We we, we got a chance. We need a a shot. We need an opportunity. No, no. Yeah, that's, I'm with you. That's one of those like, well, I don't think, I don't think what you you think that means is what it really means. It's like he he knows two plus two is four, but he doesn't know why two plus two is four. Exactly. Right. Subtracting ones. He's carrying numbers from other sides. He's solving for X and we're just, we just need a basic, like, (laughs) (laughs) dial it back. Sergio, do you have anything to add before we head off into the day? Um, do I have anything to add? I'm really excited, um, for, um, we're in May. Memorial Day is at the end of May. Um, mm. I'm excited for Memorial Day because Memorial Day usually means that the Athlon goes on shelves across the country. The Athlon, if you don't know, Athlon Sports, it's a um, it's a brand. It's a, a publishing company. They publish mm. magazines. Yes, magazines, physical magazines. I know those people don't things. buy those as much. Right, those, those paper, paper things. <laughs> um, they publish magazines for like every sport and stuff. And for college football – they do an annual like massive college football preview where they go and they talk about every single FBS school, all the conferences, Power Five, Group of Five, the independents, every single – they have articles. They have um, breakdowns of every single program. Um, I think the Power Five ones get a full two-page spread where they go through in-depth what happened last year, who left, who's returning, recruit the top recruits that came in, who's expected to fill holes. Um, what opposing coaches and stuff think of them. So I love that magazine. One of my favorite things to do is to buy the magazine and to lay in the pool and read it. That's what I do every single year in the summer to kind of get me through and prepare me for the next college football season. So uh, I don't know when the next episode of tailgaters tailgaters is going to be. So I wanted to get that in that um, around Memorial day, take a look um, your local grocery store, your Barnes and Noble RIP borders. Um, you can go ahead and find them at those bookstores. And it's cool because the the cover of the magazine is regionalized. So like if I buy one here in Florida, it'll have like a Gator player, an FSU player, a Miami player, a UCF player. It'll have one of those. But if you go and you buy it in like California, uh, in LA, I'm sure it'll have like, I'm sure this year it'll be Caleb Williams and, or maybe and a UCLA player. Um, yeah. You buy it in Northern, you buy it in Northern Florida. I think you get like a Georgia player and a Florida Florida player. You buy it in oh. South Florida, you get a Miami player. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of cool to see the different covers regionally. Um, it's funny because what I do is I'll buy the Florida one. Um, I'll buy an extra one and I'll send it to my buddy Tyler because he's out. He lives out in L.A. So his magazine could have a Florida player on it rather than you know that trader Caleb Williams is my brother. Right. We we also have some breaking news. Not really breaking, oh. but it deals with Florida's breaking news. Coach. And Texas's almost head coach, Urban Meyer. 
Uh, he caught a lawsuit from Josh Lambo, who kicked. Um, <laughs> he's getting super. Oh, he did. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> Tough. Nice. But Athlon Sports, read it. Read your local journalism. Support local journalism. That's what I. Do your thing. Well, it's not really local. It's it's national journalism, but like it's it's, it's still that. it's the best college football preview, and it's like something I look. It is like an annual tradition for me. I will be buying the Athlon to the day I die every year. I hope it never goes out of out of business and stuff like that. So, um, I recommend it if you're looking for some summer, a, a, a college football fix this summer. Literally every single school, every single FBS school is in there. And they even have like a mini FCS section where they cover like the top group, you know, maybe the top 10 or 15 schools. They kind of have a little bit of a, they're doing it all. Of a thing. So they do it all. They're doing it all. Love it. You know, I recommend it. us at the tailgaters at the believe podcast network. You catch on Apple music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys whenever we see you. Hopefully next week, we're going to try to keep up with all the uh, happenings in college football. I'm Kevin Borba. Yes, sir. And we will see you guys next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.